Hey everybody and welcome back to Send News, the inside gaming podcast where we talk all about video games. I'm Brian, your host, and now... I'm Alana. The oh, rest. oh you Damn jumped it. in. Oh. That's okay. Hey, and I'm Connor. <laughs> I'm Evan. Did we do it? Nailed it. Yeah, we, we got did. it. Uh, we well, got there. <laughs> we checked the box. I don't know if we Flawless did it. from absolutely everybody. Nobody. Weirdly <laughs> less awkward than some of our other intros. That's true, that's true. Yeah, uh, so we're going to start off, uh, Connor had some ideas to talk about Halo, so Connor, tell us. You have a lot of Halo thoughts, Sometimes please share Connor them. has ideas. I have some Halo thoughts. Okay. I got, <laughs> you know, don't build it up too much, I don't well, want to be. <laughs> too late. <laughs> oh God. <sighs> okay, uh, no, I, I mean, we obviously talked about Halo last week, but it's, it's still, you know, trending, and also it's a cool video game to talk about. I love talking mm-hmm. about video games. I just wanted to talk to you guys and people like Alana with far more of Halo knowledge than myself because I haven't played all of them but it's interesting to me to see what a what a franchise does when it reaches into like the later stages like what we've seen Gears do and then like Final Fantasy and like you know Metal Gears and all sorts of games have to innovate but also stay close enough to the formula and I you know with the open world and the grapple hook like it seems like they're trying to stay very close to the original Combat Evolved vision but also how can they differentiate that yeah. Also, you know, you have to remember that Halo changed studios, and that's yeah. a whole disaster that I would love to one day when they're allowed to talk about it, actually interview somebody about. Okay, bye, Connor. Um, <laughs> I was closing a window. It's cool. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, because my, they, changed, <laughs> they changed from, from Bungie to 343, obviously, um, and I think that that meant that it was a new studio of people who might have different passions and visions who are sort of being forced to keep that same vision from a studio that is made up of different people also. So that's that's a, a whole nightmare of a thing. And I feel like the direction, well, I believe Halo 4 and 5 still sold just fine. Hmm. Um, yeah. I actually haven't looked up sales numbers, but I don't remember any 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 reports of it flopping by any regard. Connor, he keeps back. walking away. <laughs> yeah, I, Sorry, okay. uh, I do think that fan interest in Halo significantly dropped when that change happened. And it wasn't just because people were like, oh, I don't want a new dev. Most people don't know. It was because they did change direction, probably a little bit more than fans wanted, certainly more than I wanted, which is why I'm happy that despite totally agreeing with the criticisms that uh, Infinite does not look like a next-gen game, it was a very strange choice um, to try to sell what is supposed to be the world's most powerful console with gameplay of something that, you know, even the lighting doesn't look finished. Uh, but I keep saying I'm really happy that it looks like Combat Evolved because that's what I want Halo. I just want more of that. I still play the Master Chief Collection all the time. <laughs> so I'm really happy that Halo looks like Halo again. So Halo 5 uh, for sales was more than $400 million. So, oh, my gosh. Yeah, it's it's still so, doing okay. <laughs> but I, I know what you're talking about. It's like Halo 2 was like that launch was one of the biggest launches I can remember. Uh, four games at the time, and even Halo Three uh, still. The Halo had... Three launches, yeah, wild. That was yeah. enormous. I remember the the kid in uh, uh, in my school who got the Master Chief helmet, <laughs> the the dome that opened. And yeah, it's just like having not didn't not playing Xbox at the time. I was like, all right, <laughs> sure. <laughs> You're really into just, video games, right? Oh, I would God. just play. I would just play Halo Two split screen at friends' places, and then when I saw that, I was like, all right, Colin. I also think they've done a good job of like drumming up interest in the series again through the Master Chief collection and and sort of constantly improving it. It it 
had a lot of issues for a long time, but they've stuck with it. And I, I think they've done a really good job of, you know, and bringing, bringing various games to Steam. I, I think that it's been a really good kind of organic way to get everybody hyped about the franchise again. And I'm sure that was intentional. Yeah, it feels like a reboot. I mean, now we're living yeah. in the age of the uh, 2016 versions of Doom and Hitman. And right. like Doom, very much a reboot because it's just called, you know, both of them, Doom. I guess. Yeah, because it's, <laughs> you know, it's bringing it to current days. But this one's still also a sequel. So it's like, how are they going to lock that line? Because it feels like they're rebooting it, but also just going back to the, the classics. It's like they New Coke say... and Coke. <laughs> <laughs> they did say when I spoke to them that it is a spiritual reboot. Yes. But is okay. also a sequel. But right. they did like multiple times say we're basically rebooting it. Um, it's very important to us that it has, you know, that feeling of the original Halo that people love so much. Right, because they want to um, get new people. They don't want to people. I, I feel like to think like, oh, I've got to go back and play all the old ones because I, I don't think a lot of people are going to do that. And if you're no, you know, I mean, there's a lot of Halos in the grand yeah. scheme of things. Exactly, it's cool That's that they true. are virtually all accessible not all of them are on the must you collection yet but they have done a really good job with that but yep. uh they did also say it's a sequel so it's like they're also not going to alienate the people who are super into the forerunners um <laughs> which i'm just like kind of feel like that means that the story is going to be a giant mess yeah i mean they look cool and i guess that's about the gist of it right you know, like the didact stuff and yeah you know, Cortana but i mean i just Locke. don't know how they're gonna yeah. do both of those things at once um i'm very curious to see how they pull it off yeah also i think I, th there's two things i think that that stand out to me and what you said uh alana about the the two different studios we're still seeing similarities between like destiny art and lore and like halo stuff y you can you can see it pretty easy like if you look at the traveler and in halo 4 obviously the the didact ship or whatever was like identical it's just like big mm -hmm. sphere or whatever um, and then in Halo 5. It was 5, funny. Yeah. I don't know if you saw that Twitter video where someone like put Destiny and Halo side by side, but then someone in response put Halo 3 and Destiny side by side. <laughs> you're like, this argument doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Like, there is cross-pollination between those teams too. Yeah, Some so of them are the same people. It, it's definitely like deeper, like like lore Bible stuff that you don't really usually see in the game. So it's interesting to see those two things between the studios. But uh, again, to, to Connor's point about like Final Fantasy and some of these other legacy games like Resident Evil remakes are a great example of like mm -hmm. reimagining a game of, of what it was and bringing out the best of it and modernizing it. Halo hasn't, I don't feel like they've really nailed that part yet because the combat itself still is so very good. But even with the grappling hook that we've seen now in Halo Infinite, like we've seen other games with that kind of mechanic like years ago, like uh, Bulletstorm, for example, had a really cool grappling hook mechanic. And it's it's cool that they're adding it and they can do new stuff with with Halo, but it doesn't look like you kind of said also on it, like it doesn't look like the, the showcase game for your next generation of consoles. It doesn't look like it's um, like on the scale of like a Half-Life 3 or something or a Half-Life 2 that like is really trying to push the genre in a different, unique and interesting way. Kind of like what we got with like Zelda Breath of the Wild, right? Like we're looking at Halo and, 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 and maybe it doesn't matter, like you said, because... It, you know, I definitely have a nostalgia for combat involved also. So I'm like, I'm psyched. Like I saw the trailer and I was like, eh, it doesn't look as good as it sh probably should for a console launch. But, uh, you know, let's go. Like, I'm, I'm ready. Uh, yeah, my reaction was absolutely. It looks like Halo and that's all I want from it. <laughs> I don't care about it being graphically impressive. But there are some interesting things about it aging um, to what you bring up, Connor, is like, I think that maybe... Halo was going to look bad no matter what. And, like, I, that's not an excuse for, like, some of those faces looking pretty poor. And, again, I think the lighting is their main problem. But Reach um, looks which, great. I think Reach looks amazing. 
Yeah, but I, I mean, the design of Halo is possibly just outdated <clears throat> at this point. <clears throat> it is possible that That's that particular sci-fi yeah. design has just become cliche and looks yeah. very early 2000s, no matter what it, they do. Right, it's very Windows <laughs> XP is what yeah. it feels like. <laughs> it was like, I don't know, like, I think the Forerunner saga was trying to get away from that, but then people like me were alienated because I was like, but it doesn't look like Halo, which is like, <laughs> I don't even know how you win. And the grappling hook's such an interesting one because I feel like we're getting those more and more in video games. I mean, Ghost of Tsushima has a grappling hook. Sekiro basically has a grappling hook. Those are games that you would not expect to have that kind of system. And I wonder if that is some kind of recognition that players in any kind of large world are sick of just running places, yeah. maybe? Yep. Yeah. Are you it's telling me that yeah. Metroid Prime is very much ahead of its time and... This is where we're going with Hell Halo. Hell yeah. In was. a lot of ways, actually, yeah. Yes. <laughs> That's Hell what I want yes. out of this game. But you know. I'll go with Just Cause 2. That'll, that'll <laughs> nice. be my touchdown. That's a good pull. <laughs> yes. That's a great pull. I don't know. I mean, I I guess I'm curious about the open world and the grappling hook. Because where, where I'm coming from is I, you know, I didn't really grow up with Xbox. I didn't go back and play them. And I had like a, you know, passing knowledge of Halo. And the only one I played in full was ODST, which I loved and oh, is also very different though from the from the Master Chief proper collection. I know that's technically part of it, but uh, for me, seeing the differences is kind of what might bring me in. I, but like, also I, but I did play a lot of four, and I was like, I don't like this. <laughs> it's just like it's a hard balance to strike for sure. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It, part of me is concerned that they're a little bit late to the game on the open world and then ways to get around the open world. But if it's done well, I don't I don't care if they're on the trends or not. Yeah, I did ask them, I think I mentioned this last week, how many worlds there will be, and they said they wouldn't answer, which implies to me that as the story goes on, there are multiple open worlds. Mm -hmm. So no one still seems to be entirely clear on if it's like, is it like a Last of Us where you have a Seattle open world, and then you have a scripted section, and then you have another one or something like that? Right, right. I'm not entirely sure how that's going to function. Uh, maybe someone has done an another interview since the conference on Thursday, but I'd have to look into it, but... Yeah, the open world stuff, like, I'm completely fine with because I think that uh, Halo's enemy variety will hold it together. What the concern for me there is weapons. So, like, if you play mm -hmm. Halo on Heroic or Legendary, which I implore you to do. Uh, related, though, oh, my God, we were playing Halo 3 Legendary on Friday. On PC, it's so easy. <laughs> oh, really? The, yeah, my God. It was. I think maybe it's just that that's the first time I play with four people as well. But I was like, this, is, this isn't legendary. Mm. This is so simple. Uh, but like one of the issues I have with Halo on the harder difficulties, not an issue in, uh, in a criticism, it's just something that makes it challenging, is you run out of ammo. So yeah. how does that work in a sandbox? Are you going to have the sniper rifle in the ship that's gone down that I know is down the cliff if I head left right here? Yeah. Like, how uh, am I just going to be picking up the weapon every enemy has? Which Halo does make you do, again, on Legendary pretty often, but it also can mean that you get stuck with something that you hate. Like, I don't really like a plasma rifle too much, and you can just end up with a plasma rifle for a really long time, and it's like, just give me my battle rifle, damn it! Yeah, <laughs> are, are things like that going to be harder to find? How are things going to spawn? Like, I'm certainly curious about it. It's... it's um. Yeah, it is a complicated thing, and, and I think one thing that they probably lied to us about is I don't buy that this is a 10-year plan. I don't buy this is going to be a 10-year game. I yeah. think this is going to be a Forza Horizon type, or I want to say an Anthem type, where there are global events that happen for everyone, gets mm. updates, sure, but I don't think that they expect people to be playing this for 10 years. Meaning like, oh, like were people saying it was going to be like a Destiny or something? Just like, like they a game were. Kind of a, 
They Destiny really like, did think it was the way you played for ten years. <laughs> Destiny did too. It was the same thing, and then obviously Destiny two came out. I, I mean, yeah, right. <laughs> so funny. It, like just such a quick turnaround. Like, and a second one. And then Activision was like, "You're making a sequel." Yeah, yeah. And I'm pretty sure Anthem thought they would at least make it to a, to being a five year game, and that didn't pan out for them. <sighs> Hey, no. they're still trying. They're yeah, still trying. I, yeah, they haven't yeah. pulled the plug yet. Well, well do you, yeah, Anthem 2.0 is out there. Do, <laughs> do you all think that like enough mindshare has been lost? Like, do you think that just based on the way that Halo looks right now, if it doesn't have like the most impressive and stellar and like gifable like gameplay, um, because you know that is coming. Like the physics in Halo has always been really, really fun. Like sniper rifle shots that bounce off a like a wall somewhere and hit a crazy long shot like grenades like sticking on the warthogs like all of that stuff is coming to twitter you know to a twitter near you um mm. when that game releases and that's super fun but do you think that that the mind share already is is so little like do, do you think that this particular halo game is going to do what it's setting out to do to kind of bring all of that fanfare back all of that audience back be as big as like a as, as a rockstar game be as big as like even a call of duty game at this point like i don't know i think it's going to be just fine okay i yeah. think it'll be i think it'll be fine but i think things are a lot more fragmented now than when halo kind of had its glory days because back then the, the one of the the huge selling points if i recall of like the first halo is there was not another fps on console like it i mean they, none they, that worked yeah it was the, they, it was the first good right. one Right. The control right. scheme I mean, there was, t- totally new, yeah, right? And there was GoldenEye and stuff, but yeah, they revolutionized the control scheme. It was kind of the system seller for the Xbox. And, and so I think there's still a lot of love for it because of that. But now I think there's so many other games that have taken what Halo did and I think kind of evolved it and improved it. Not to say that this won't be good because I think it's got a lot of promise, but I I, I would be surprised if, if it, sort of reaches the heights that the original ones did. Yeah, I agree with that. I also don't think it's going to sell Xbox Series Xs. I just no, think no, with it also being no. on PC, Yeah, mm-hmm. I really think Halo's going to be just fine. Yeah. I think yeah. it'll have a solid com- competitive community. It'll yep. have a, a significant player base. Like, I, It's not like I think it is, it is. yeah, the breakout title, but I'm like, it'll be fine. It's, <laughs> it's, it's going to be active. Yeah, like it the Street feel... Fighter of FGC that'll just be around now. Like, There's enough of a fan base there that it will always sustain. I guess that's that's my feeling. Go ahead, Connor. Sorry. I, I was just going to say it doesn't feel monolithic because now yeah. it's also building off its own fl- influences. So it's yes. by its own nature uh, just uh, derivative of itself, right. which is kind of right. weird. Like All the people making it now at this point grew up as Halo as their formative game, probably. And that's so, true. like, I mean... It can be new, but for it to be Halo, it's still just going to be kind of like downstream from the originals, it, you know. Yeah, sort of. Visually, uh, I mean, gameplay-wise, they can change it up, but that's kind of what we're talking about. Like, how much can you change it for it to still be Halo? Right. I mean, and a huge it, it, part of Halo was the multiplayer, and and I, I know they'll still, like Alana said, I think they'll still be a big, you know, competitive scene there. I, I just think, yeah, there's so many other games now that are just vying for that. You know, uh, there's Fortnite, there's Warzone, there's Apex, there's PUBG. You know, just just to name old a battle very royales few. you listed there. Sudoku. Yeah, true. Yeah, but Which, I mean, to be fair, you're right. I think Halo needs a battle royale. Like, I really uh, do yeah. think they need to do that. And I yeah. also, like, I I really love battle royale modes. I'm a huge fan. I still frequently play Apex. Um, but I also look at it as not like this cheap new video game everyone's making. It's just a new game mode. It's just a new King of the Hill. It's a new Capture yes. the Flag. It's something, yes. you know, it's just a new mode. New Horde mode. mode. Yeah. Pretty yeah, much. Absolutely. Yeah. 
or yeah, firefight, I guess, if we're making it Halo, but it's, it's just a new version of that. And I actually think a Halo Battle Royale because of the vehicles will work really That's so well. That's true. Yep. It would feel, I think, like Blackout of, of all of the Battle yeah. Royales I've played. That's the one that seems closest. Also, it's super that one was like habit. very vibrant yeah. and photorealistic. It's mm-hmm. like not so cartoony. I would like and to, you know, be pretty. it would be cool for the open worlds to like shift and change in single player too in the way that they do in Fortnite. Because like one of the coolest things about the Battle Royale genre is the willingness to like scrap the old maps and stuff like you know like kill your heroes like yeah we love the loot lake but it's just gone now and like you can't load a save which is like totally opposite to the way so much of gaming is because you can have like infinite saves in other games where you're like i want to go to this state or you can like Mm -hmm. have you know the world stays stagnant so like i if if an open world game is going to come out in 2020 then i feel like a cool innovation to see would be like you know i mean be less precious with the map i think fortnite is actually incredible in that like yeah. i don't play that game i don't like playing that game right but what it does where services are concerned it's oh amazing. boy is that yes. awesome oh, it's yeah. so cool and there's an event in fortnite again a game that i do not even enjoy playing i tried was like this ain't for me that's yep. okay yeah i will still pay attention to the events because they're that oh, cool yeah. that i want right. to the way they did the black hole thing was genius it was, yeah. just, it was to cool. take their game offline for however many days, days they did yeah. and yeah it, it was amazing yeah it's, it's they continue to kind of set the standard for how to run a, a live service game mm-hmm. like this that world yeah. changes in the way that we thought mmo worlds would change like in the yes. beginning of how yeah, yeah. yeah. that's it does right exactly that thing of like persistent yeah. world and they, they they commit to that like gimmick or like philosophy or concept or whatever and it just it is really cool to see like it just kind of change and evolve and move yeah. i just wanted yeah. to add one, one thing to brian's point about uh, those other games of service. I think Counter-Strike looked kind of bad for a long time, and it's done all right, especially in the competitive yeah. scene, you know? I don't know. It's still, I, I mean, know. people still love yeah. it. It's, it's still, people still playing CSGO out there, making tons of money. I'll be interested to see with Halo just, yeah, how they balance the kind of keeping keeping it traditional Halo, but also with enough new things to keep people interested because, yeah, you always walk that line with these storied franchises of satisfying sort of your diehard fans, but then, but then try to move it forward enough to where you're giving people something new. It's also the thing that I keep thinking about where Halo is concerned, though, actually I think this one might be M rated, um, is I have a habit of forgetting when talking about video games. Like I always am like, how does GTA five always the best selling game? Who doesn't own it? It's kids. Yes. There are these people who yes. every year a bunch of them turn twelve. <laughs> it's just this, like entirely new group of people who never yep. played Halo One and didn't have an original Xbox. Are those people going to care about Halo? If if the Fortnite crowd is that same group of people and supposedly like Fortnite is becoming less cool in the schools, I hear it's like more like becoming <laughs> younger. Is Halo intentionally trying to stay cartoony to keep to that style where maybe they will pivot Halo to be the game that you graduate from Fortnite to? Maybe. Because there are some yeah, parents who are going to be like, you can't play Call of Duty. That's too realistic. And it's got the swears in it. <laughs> like right. Halo, maybe they'll be allowed to play. I don't know. But I, I think that like that's the, the new market you're talking about isn't us, isn't gamers right. who are our age. Like it is yeah. completely new people who've never played a Halo game because they were too damn young. And I think I think you see that with movies too. You try to hit that PG-13 target to where it's 
You can still have a, a, a base of kids, you know, while appealing to older people. But yeah, not not M rated to where it's just like completely, you know, it's not something the parents will let their kids Man, play. I think I mean, the rating. like Minecraft. I mean, you, anybody can play that. That's a huge reason. For Definitely. Yeah. And I, always. I, I think, yeah. you know, if we're talking franchises that have had to innovate and cater to new audiences, you can't not talk about Fast and the Furious, which oh, like, geez. look at the way that's changed. Like they just turn into superheroes and action movies. And like with yeah. the whole MCU, yes. we've seen it shift maybe so obviously is drinking Corona to now they drink Coke and like, <laughs> right. It's just like, they're getting, I mean, they're getting younger audiences. I mean, like they are just action heroes and it's like, you know, it's less about just sex and cars and more just about vaguely family, sorry, family and, <laughs> and jumping out of planes and stuff. Yeah, I, it's I action love those movies. Sort of right. It, but together. You've, yeah. We've seen them change. Uh, and you know, cater to well also yeah. chinese audiences that's <laughs> a right that's a big right. thing for for the fast and furious um looks like halo is unrated right. oh, okay well, yeah yeah unrated that'll come we'll find out unrated uh, all right anybody else have any thoughts on halo before we move on we hit that pretty hard yeah the <laughs> shit out of it yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right Ever let's, move, out let's move on to a new release well it's been out for a few weeks now ghost of tsushima uh, we've been playing it some. We have thoughts, guys. Let's hear them. I think Evan, that game is a lot better <laughs> than people give it credit for. And I, I don't know. I see where the 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 parallel and the comparisons come to Assassin's Creed, but I feel like everybody forgot that that uh, that studio made a little game, um, Sucker Punch, made uh, Jesus. No, infamous, sorry. Infamous. Made a little game called Infamous, which called already had Sly a lot. Cooper. Yeah, oh. and Sly Cooper, which and Infamous already had a lot of those like kind of questy trappings and that kind of old school yeah. vibe. And and I mean to be fair, I think the first Assassin's Creed came out before Infamous did. And but so, but I just didn't know that like Sucker Punch had this game in them. Like it is yeah. such a beautiful and like massive world. Um, I think there's probably some fair criticisms in terms of like tokenism to an extent, but I think like when you even have uh, Japanese developers from other companies being like, I wish we made this game, you know, like, they did something right. It sold really well in Japan. Yeah, And it huge. is worth noting, yeah, Sucker Punch, like, doubled in size for the development of this game. Yeah. Um, I think they're 150 now. They are still one of the smaller of the Sony first-party studios. Like, Naughty Dog and Santa Monica are much bigger. But, uh, yeah, this, this game is... It's an interesting thing you point that out, Connor. Uh, sorry, Evan, because I was saying... Um, <laughs> Uh, I said this recently that I was like, this game feels underrated, but in a really strange way, and that it doesn't because actually it's selling incredibly well. Like the user yeah. score on Metacritic is really, really high. People are singing its praises, but for some reason, like despite it being one of their best-selling IP new IPs ever, I think it 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 uh, has sold better than uh, Horizon Zero Dawn yep, at this point. Yeah, it did. Yep. Mm -hmm. It's just like it still for some reason feels like it's being ignored. I don't know how I feel that way though. Yeah. Because I, it's kind of not, but I think it's probably that the state of play and like when we originally saw it, it got so much criticism for just looking too much like Assassin's Creed. And now I don't feel like people are correcting themselves. So this, that still has that on it where it's not Assassin's Creed. It, 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 sure, it's a lot like a lot of open worlds, but it's more like Red Dead or Breath of the Wild, um, mm -hmm. which are, you know, some of the best games this generation, without a doubt, they would, Red Dead 2 and Breath of the Wild would be in virtually everyone's top 10. Uh, they, they're both incredible. And this game, like, just very organically plays on things that they did without feeling like it's iterative or like it's copying, copying them. Um, 
yeah, I really, really like it. I think, I it's think this will get better reviewed as time goes on. It feels like people sort of reviewed it and moved on. And so I think those first impressions kind of hardened or the, yeah, the, the Assassin's Creed comparison got brought up in like every review I read. Uh, but yeah, you're right. I mean, 2.4 million units in the first three days, fastest selling first party original IP for the PS4. I mean, it did really well. And for Sucker Punch, yeah, I I don't think it was quite like Horizon Zero Dawn was for Guerrilla Games. Like, where the fuck did this come from? Like, yeah. this is such a departure. But pretty oh, yeah, close. But, yeah, or, yeah, 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 exactly. But but for Sucker Punch, I mean, this was this is definitely their masterpiece and, and definitely more ambitious and bigger than, than anything. I also think with Ghost of Tsushima... To just the photo mode, it kind of, I don't think it overshadows the game, but like a little bit. Uh, yeah, because that's, that's what you video see on this, shared so much. But it, a it's, video on this very channel about photo mode. That's right. <laughs> there is. It's pretty good. I felt so inclined to check it out. <laughs> I think <laughs> because no one else did. Just, but think oh. about like why. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Think about why photo mode works. It's because that world just looks so freaking good. Um, mm-hmm. There's just. You come over different cliffs and stuff, and you see like different fields with with uh, you know Chris Hansen, Chris Anthemims, or the Chris Hansen, Chris Chris Hansen's. <laughs> Get out of my face! Chris Hansen. Why don't you take a seat? Have a seat. Uh, you know, purple, <laughs> white, or yellow flowers. Like you've got sections like the Golden Forest, which you're just like, wow, mm-hmm. this is just really impressive to see. And I think there are a lot of fair criticisms about Ghost of Tsushima. I think like it's it's at ends like the instead of having the waypoints, having the wind, I think that stuff really works. But then they still also sometimes give you that on-screen icon. It's like they, they're trying to get the best of both worlds, and I think they kind of missed it sometimes there. Like, well, the birds can be a little weird or hitchy, and they get stuck on buildings or something. You're like, was the treasure, like, under this house or or whatever? Like, that stuff is a bummer. But, yeah, I think what you're saying, Brian, the combination between the way the combat works and feels and photo mode is mm-hmm. just, it's impressive. It's super impressive. I accidentally blew up a horse the other day, like and was able to like stop the the game and like take a photo of this just being like oh my god it's, so yeah, it's right but, there it's very accessible yeah, from the deep pad which is great it's great yeah yeah uh, I, I love the photo mode i'm still to be honest a little lukewarm on the game uh and i at first i thought that was i started it the same day i finished the last of us 2 and the, you know, Last of Us 2 spoiled me so much in terms of just how fluid and polished it is. Like like the most polished game I've ever played by far. And so in contrast, Ghost of Tsushima at first felt like janky to me, mm-hmm. but some of it still feels like it's there. It's it's very like video gamey in a way mm-hmm. that I don't think hurts it, but uh, I don't know. There's certain things where I'm like, it just takes me out of it. And like, so there's a lot of small stuff for me too, which is like the fact that like, I want to open this door, but instead I crawl under the building or whatever. And it's like a lot of like all the same action button, but like overall I have been playing it more. And as I've been unlocking stuff, I do like it more uh, when it gives me more tools and the world is very pretty. I just, I, I think I have to put more time into it um, because I, I definitely, I mean, I really enjoyed infamous second son and first light and like, maybe I liked the way they were making those games better, but yeah, I Ghost do see Tsushima all the things. has jank. That, that yeah. stuff is definitely no there. Like this game, I don't think is a 10 out of 10. Um, the criticisms I have are like, I don't like the enemy AI. I think the stealth is way too easy. I do kind of feel like uh, the combat sometimes um, can be, it's mostly the enemy AI that causes me problems, but just like mm-hmm. feels 
heavy in a way that I don't necessarily want it to. Um, mm, yeah. Sometimes like when I'm trying to pull out an arrow, it doesn't quite work. Like it, I've had like some animation issues. Uh, the lip sync is off. Like it certainly Definitely. has some polish issues for sure. Uh, but the open world is something that I feel like is it's just absolutely incredible. And it's also the characters are so good that this is a game that I feel like if anyone just tries to beeline straight through the main story or if it's a game they're playing while they're on the phone or like on discord and they're not actually paying attention to the narrative you'll lose a lot because otherwise the mission design is actually pretty much the same thing every time it's like walk alongside this person cutscene this person is dead go kill this person whatever it's all like pretty much the same stuff because it's a video game stop and start with the way the missions go that drives me nuts that is my least favorite thing about it it is is it it just i feel like i haven't been able to get into it and i've even like since starting it bought doom eternal and started playing that which is just like <laughs> so far in the other direction it's just like constantly moving right, everything's right. being thrown Never at you and it's running. totally dynamic yeah and it's yeah. just like I, I mean maybe that's just what i needed at the time because i do want to put more time it could also Ghost not be for you but that's okay yeah yeah, yeah that's, that's right that is okay yeah i don't know i also feel weird <laughs> about the way like it gamifies certain things like <laughs> with the like reflect on your father's death and get extra health and it's just like very like here's a reward you did it you, you <laughs> took part in to reflect on your father's oh, death i love that oh, stuff yeah. because yeah, i think I that it it like i appreciate that stuff because sure you're getting a reward but the process of getting that reward in a ubisoft game for example like a ubisoft open world is so much more video gamey like i feel like ghost of Tsushima does a very good job even in breath of the wild it's more video gamey leveling off your hearts it's like yeah okay i'm going to follow this beautiful yellow bird to this beautiful hot spring and then i'm going to sit in it and i have a choice about what i want to learn about Jin's backstory so i'm going to click the one that i'm slightly more interested in and which character he's thinking about and what he thinks of them and then i'm going to watch him talk about them and then i get out oh i got some help but like the process of it is what i find to be like beautiful and interesting and and so pleasant is the word that I used to describe. I, this I game. don't disagree. I think that would be reward enough, is what I'm saying. I like think, I, I don't yeah, mind I just having like flavor parts, touch, but I'm not doing it for the points. Which I think Ghost of Tsushima mm. is very specifically designed so that you aren't just grinding in an open world that's a chore where you're unlocking a tower and then there are a million things on your mini map. Instead, like that's maybe fair. a peasant talks to you and then you unlock an okay, a location. So there aren't just like random things on your map that you're like, what is this and how did this get here just because I went somewhere? It's actually organically someone told you there's a Mongol camp down the road. Then it appears on your mini map as a question mark. So it's like, it just I feel like it just does a really good job of like taking the gamification actually out of that open world. And sure, you still like get points for like sitting naked in a bath and thinking about your uncle. <laughs> Uh, which you know, video games Wait always a have to be inherently you a little bit get silly. For that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it, I feel like it just it it made me not ever try to grind. Instead, I was always present in the world. Um, and obviously, again, that's always just depends on you and how you respond to things in an open world. That's not necessarily that's the right way. I just found it so again pleasant, so freaking pleasant. I think that's I'm a excited pretty, to play more. Pretty good point. I am. Do you, do you think the the gamification stuff does kind of come heavy at you if you're not like? doing a lot of side quests through while you're mainlining. Um, but I, I would also maybe suggest that mainlining is a good idea because you, you, stealth completely kind of changes or for the better 
after like act two, I think there, there's some stuff that happens there where it, it doesn't necessarily change the way you play, but it, it just makes it a more fun experience, I think, in terms of the way that your stealth equipment gets it's upgraded um, and, and your ability to kind of like make that choice if you want to continue to play that way or, or still just be a samurai that that calls out every single bandit you see on the road to to mm -hmm. do the duel. And then you lose like 10 in a row and you're like, OK, maybe I should do this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, like so at one point I was like, is this broken for me? I know I let go of the button in time to slice these dudes up and I have the upgrade that lets me like kill three of them and just like. Uh, yeah, there is definitely jank there. I think there's a lot to be said. And this is a completely another podcast you could do about the story of Ghost of Tsushima, how it's at ends with with J uh, Jin's eternal struggle. But it is cool how they tried to tackle it, right? Like there's certain like side missions that aren't even canon or like mainline to the, to the overall story where you'll like jump down and try and assassinate a dude in, in, in just a random side quest. And Jin will have a flashback about a, his uncle telling him like how to be a better samurai. And him but that's kind of not scripted. Yeah. As well. Those are organic. I just had one of those. Um, in that, yeah, it happens depending on how much of it you do, which I thought was really cool. There's also like a bunch of other unscripted stuff in this game. Like uh, the more you play as Ghost, there will just be more storms present in the game. Whoa. Yeah. yeah. Like stuff that you yeah. wouldn't notice that like That's a cool. lot of a lot of it is really um, systemic in a, in a very cool way. But yeah, I, I have some criticisms of the main story. Like there are side characters that I really liked. Um, all of the mythic tales uh mm. i think are fantastic yeah. favorite parts of the game for sure but um i i think Jin's struggle is an interesting one you know it's about like what do you do in a time of desperation how stubbornly do you stick to something you've been taught or do you adapt and evolve and, and do the things you have to to survive like i think there are definitely interesting themes there that i don't feel like i've seen that many video games play on but sure. also like i find Jin sometimes to be a little bit boring i wish he had a little bit more of a sense of humor uh, and yeah, I don't know that they nail that struggle entirely. I think the, to totally not get into spoilers, the ending is, is cool. Uh, what happens there is, this is something that I like appreciated the way that they dealt with it. Um, but it, yeah, again, it's certainly not a perfect game. It's just that I think the open world does so many things that I really, really like. The creative director of Yakuza like said Jin is ugly even, right? He's like, I don't understand why. Don't this blow game... this. This is in the this is all in the roundup tomorrow. Oh jeez. <laughs> <Sorry, sorry. laughs> we I think hard. Jin's a babe. Also, the <laughs> guy who plays Jin was streaming it and he clearly doesn't play a lot of video games. There's a part where everyone was trying to get him to go to a hot spring and he does and he sees his own butt and he goes, Yeah. Yeah. I wish I could see my own butt. <laughs> just full length mirror, that's all you need. <laughs> um, I do feel like this has been a pretty good one-two punch to end the PS4's life cycle between yeah. this and Last of Us 2. Pretty strong exclusives, and, and, and that's what the PS4 was known for. Uh, but yeah, to kind of go out like this in 2020, even with COVID and everything... Uh, I mean, they were both probably pretty much done at this point, but uh, Sony's killed it this generation. I mean, they 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 have, and and they're clearly looking to ride that momentum with the PS5. But uh, the the PS4, just looking back, has been an absolute beast in in terms of games. Yeah, book ended by Sucker Punch. I, Second Son That's was the right. first game yeah, I had yeah. on console, yeah. and Ghost of Tsushima yeah. will very likely be the last. The work yeah. from home stuff too. I actually think Ghost of Tsushima was more finished than The Last of Us Part Two. But they kept pushing Ghost because The Last of Us kept pushing. 
Uh, I imagine oh, Ghost was actually done significantly sooner, and it was just adapting to whatever The Last of Us was doing. I figured it was because uh, yeah. they didn't want to compete with Sekiro uh, last year. I don't, or just to have two. Not that they were the same game, but yeah. you know what I mean. Totally. Yeah, I uh, always wonder if that helped or hurt them. Yeah, and I, I feel know. like it maybe probably helped. It's also an interesting conversation of like, did The Last of Us help or hurt this game? Like, I feel like Ghost of Tsushima. This is like a thing about reviews in general. Was never going to get tense. It didn't even matter how good it was going to be. Just the time no. that it came out and the kind yeah. of game that it was, That's right. it could not get a 10, yes. <laughs> which is, yeah. it mostly got like 8s and 9s right. from a lot It's of not like Rockstar made it and you get the automatic 10. Oh, right, man. right. I mean, same as Naughty Dog at this point. Anyway. I really like, like where just, this conversation is going. This is real. <laughs> 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 it's just not the right studio for it, which is like brutal. Um, but I do wonder if like, I know that like some of the so the online discourse, which is very funny, have been people who hate The Last of Us for being like, SJW trash, <laughs> are then championing Ghost of Tsushima, which is is very entertaining because your money is still going to the same place. <laughs> right. Like buy this right. instead. Right. Literally, not, still the same company. <laughs> right. You're not um, carving out some unique identity here. Literally the same. The money goes all the Saudi. It does. They do not care. Both games sell very well, but uh, we don't have to give credit to those people anyway. Um, but then it's also like, for me, uh, which is like almost maybe the opposite of how you felt, Kane, is I loved that I got to play The Last of Us Part Two right after Ghost of Tsushima uh, the way around. Uh, yeah, because okay. I was just so sad at the end of The Last of Us Part Two. Like, I, when I, like, I finished that game with tears in my eyes. And then I just watched the credits play out and I just thought about it and I was just bummed. Like, just so like, oh God, like the toll of that game, which is what it tries to do. And then getting to play Ghost of Tsushima right after it is like a perfect palate cleanser because I was like, yes, I still yeah. have to kill dogs and that sucks. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. I'm happy. Yay. <laughs> maybe I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just a masochist and I just like to sit with it. <laughs> yeah, true. Like when Red Dead 2 ended, um, and it, I, what a wonderful ending. And then it went right into the epilogue. I was like, nope. And didn't play the epilogue for two months. <laughs> so I, just, I know what you mean. I did yeah. the same. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was like, I, I was like, now it's not the time. And even yeah. that night after I finished last of us two, I started up ghost of Tsushima and I just couldn't, couldn't get into the right headspace. Right. Oh yeah. I think you gotta now give that yourself I, some time. Yeah, I didn't breathe. do that. I think yeah. I went yeah. to bed and like thought about it for a while. Yeah. Well, I don't sleep. <laughs> Oh. Have you guys tried meth? It's awesome. Oh. <laughs> uh, I'm no, so much now, more productive. I've like reset my brain with like Doom and in uh, what else have I been playing? Oh yeah, and like just some multiplayer stuff, and it's just like pushing it back and yeah, like needing at it, right? Exactly. Yeah, and now yeah. I'm like, okay, I've had my I've had my ginger, I've had a little sorbet, <laughs> right, right. Uh, and I did play it the other day, and I I am enjoying it a lot more than I was at first. So maybe I just needed the process. Yeah, can happen. Uh, the other game. All right, let's move on to some more news. And really the big news uh, this week was Star Citizen. It's back. Uh, it's not out or anything, but nope. the uh, the fans uh, basically got upset with the developer, um, uh, specifically about the single player uh, portion of the project, which is called Squadron 42. Back in March, um, the developer uh, came out with this post saying we're abandoning the content roadmap. It's not accurately portraying our progress on the game. We're going to think of something else. But in the meantime, and, and they sort of went down this list of all the wonderful communications they were going to have with the fans, AMAs and, and check-ins with the developer and their team. 
none of that has really <laughs> happened. And and then so there was kind of a big blow off post on on uh, the game subreddit where someone was just like w, WTF. Everyone, uh, you know, it, it got uh, it got upvoted a lot, and then kind of media like us took notice, and uh, <laughs> and it became kind of and finally it got their attention because then the developer responded yesterday with a roadmap to the next roadmap, a super <laughs> convoluted, but like, okay, we're going to come out with a roadmap. Here's all the steps, though, that we need to take to get to the new roadmap. And it's just another example of this game is just so, it's, what are we, eight years in, more Have than... Have they had any lawsuits? The, oh, yes, oh, yeah. yes. Uh, I, I don't uh, think anything's engine. been accessible. No, but, but I mean, fans have sued, too. I, don't, I think there's oh, okay. one going on in Europe, but... Somebody here tried to sue them, and we're like, we're America. You can't sue a business for any reason. <laughs> yeah, but, right. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, if, they, if someone in Australia tried to do it, they'd probably have their ass handed to them. Right. Because, like, Australia, Steam had to change their policies. Sony did, too. Their return yeah. policies, because mm-hmm. you have to give consumers refunds. Right. Um, so I feel like that could probably be a lawsuit if somebody tried, but I don't know how that works internationally. Either. The, the game feels like the bus on speed. Like if it, <laughs> if it goes below 55 miles an hour, like it all comes to an end because it, it feels like, yes, they are doing development, but they will just sort of post these lengthy videos about some new ship they made or, mm. or a, a, a very obscure mechanic. And so it's like, we're getting this weird granular, level on some areas but then you know when it comes to everything else we don't really know and there's never really any uh uh, kind of overall you know there's an early alpha of the the mmo portion but yeah it's just i mean it's raised well over 300 million dollars at this point and and it's which would already make it the most expensive game ever made and yeah people are just uh i feel bad for the people who have uh, backed it. I hope they get a game at some point, but it seems like more and more they're coming to the maybe realization that it just might not happen, <laughs> or it won't anytime soon. Uh, the subreddit currently says it's 3.1 thousand days until SQ42 releases. Wow. What that's too long. Yeah, that's that's like... What? Is that, that eight years? Yeah, that's that's, a, that's <laughs> multiple a long years. Time. Almost. It says that like on the little about Wait, community thing. They're predicting like how long it'll take. Or I don't like... know. It just our Star Citizen has two hundred fourteen k citizens and okay. then three point one k days until SQ forty two releases, which is the single player. <laughs> how does how do they do that math? I don't understand. Yeah, gamers probably are patient. Guess. Yeah, I well, guess. Yeah, that's probably it. I mean, <laughs> completely uninformed. The the roadmap to the roadmap is a very like big brain developer solution to big the time. perceived problem of yes. like, okay, well, we're just gonna produce the crap out of this messaging and we'll figure right. out how to get there and and let's draw the roadmap. Also, announcing but, it. Before they have the roadmap to the roadmap. Yeah. So pointing you towards a road, right? Yeah. Isn't that, or yeah. maybe, I don't know. No, you're right. Know. You're right. My head hurts. They don't have. I need to lie down. Well, I mean, no, they, they posted the roadmap to the roadmap, but the roadmap oh, okay. doesn't yes. exist. Yeah. But like the, That's the right. roadmap to the roadmap is still not much of a roadmap. <laughs> like, it's yeah. Just, the roadmap it's to so the roadmap, funny. it has multiple steps, each that they say will be several weeks apart. They said in the immediate future, we plan to deliver the following communications. Give an explanation of the goals of our new roadmap and what to expect from it. Two, show a rough rough mock-up of the proposed new roadmap. 
Three, share a work in progress version of the roadmap for at least one of our core teams. And four, then finally transition to this new roadmap. <laughs> it's, the roadmap to the roadmap's going to take longer to produce than some actual game. I didn't catch beforehand yeah. that there is a rough draft of that roadmap too. So there's one more step before we actually get... The, so it's a yeah. rough draft of the roadmap to the roadmap, or is it a rough road oh, rough yes. map of the road draft to the rough map draft draft? That's it's like question. they just used all this money to create an endless bureaucracy <laughs> where game yeah. where where money goes into and they communicate with gamers about a theoretical game that's in development. I think I said this on the daily, but it's like a meta game at this point, or like an ARG. Than an actual game. I don't know if this joke plays, but they need the Benz. They need the Benz. (laughs) (laughs) The the notorious Rockstar developer who would come in and, well, I guess it's not a very good joke because mostly he would come in and force people to work a whole lot to get a game finished. So just crunch. Just crunch. Just crunch. crunch We spoke about it on the daily, but like games need producers. Yeah. So like, yeah, this is like a a sidestep, but uh, Kojima's main producer left. Uh, Koji Pro, the, the producer he's been working with for a really long Tencent? time. Oh, I don't know. Uh, Ken's a friend of mine. Um, got me very drunk karaoke in Japan. Uh, <laughs> Hell yeah. Great guy, great That's guy. Cool. But he and I have not spoken to him about leaving for the record. I have absolutely no knowledge. But uh, oh, okay. where that There's... stuff is con- like, I mean, I, it's respectful. You don't ask. Like I, when we were in Japan, I was like, "So what is Death Stranding?" And he was like, "It's not going to happen." <laughs> um, but yeah, oh, he's screaming. He thought the game was just not going to happen? <laughs> no, he just wouldn't tell me any information. Oh, oh, I do. Uh, you're screaming over Wonderwall. So what about Death Stranding? <laughs> no, I was very drunk. This is on the record, by the way. <laughs> I'll remember uh, everything. Eating dumplings at uh, like 2 a.m. Be like, what is this game? And he was like, mm, it's not going to I miss those uh, stupid But anyway, he left that project. And I know Ken's been working with Kojima for a really long time. And that automatically makes me go, oh, Kojima's next game's never coming out. Oh, that's oh, no. interesting. You don't have yeah. a producer. That's someone who that's you know, true. keeps everyone on track. They're so important and don't get enough credit in the games right. industry, I think. Right. Because no, they keep need... everyone on track. They manage every single team yeah, uh, to varying degrees, basically, and also prevent that feature creep. They prevent things from getting out of hand and, because and, they're like, the priority is to get this game out, not to and, just make it. Yeah, and it's been reported that there is nothing but feature creep. I think this is feature creep the game, basically. But, but Yeah, I feel like they don't have enough. Uh, producers. And I even like, feel like if they brought in somebody like a, a, a you know a producer to come in and try to wrangle it, something tells me they would still have to like start all over, you know, or something. They would be like, we can't use any of this. We gotta, you know. Well, yeah. Uh, By the time if if that the roadmap is true or whatever the the number is true about how many days it's gonna take to to finish <laughs> Squadron Forty Two, the footage and the capture they would have gotten with Mark Hamill will have been eight or ten years old at this point. Oh my like, god, the technology so changes right. every two to three years. Yeah, those faces don't look great in that trailer yeah right. mm. so, brian have a lot of people left the studio um cloud imperium games or uh robert i i don't know uh, uh, honestly yeah i don't i don't have any any knowledge of that but but because that's do, the thing where you'd think devs would be getting frustrated right eh, i mean if you is, <laughs> but is there any pressure i mean like is there really any pressure? maybe they don't have crunch like, and right yeah the money's green you go in every day to your nice like santa monica office on the pier or whatever i think they have multiple offices for cloud imperium now across the world oh, yeah and i think you're also, just funding their lifestyle your checks still cash and <laughs> yeah what does know. exist of maybe. the game could be very good and people just be very excited about it i mean oh, i'm looking at footage right now of someone flying the pisces and it looks 
beautiful. Like, it's not like this game doesn't have merit. That's how it raised so much money. There is yeah, stuff they about make really cool that looks, yeah, yeah, and I, like, I do want to play it, but yeah, I am okay. also going to actively call them out, <laughs> and I feel like we have been doing a very good job of this, to your credit, Brian, that they've taken so much people's money and not done anything with it. Like, yeah, at some point, do you have a responsibility to the people who have given you thousands and thousands of dollars to produce something? And it, it feels like they're kind of going after whales at this point, too, just the big money donors, because they keep selling the ships, some of which cost like several thousand dollars. It's just, Crazy. it's very strange to me. Do you guys think that a game or games plural will ever come out of this? Hmm. I'm just curious. Yeah, I, I would say eventually it, it, it has to uh, it has to happen. I think th there is playable elements of it now. I just don't know if yeah. we, we can call that a game. Uh, or right. and, and things are even more muddied with, with early access. I yeah. think um, I don't know. I kind of lost my train of thought with your your kind of original question. But I think at some point there there has to be enough of a game here that and people keep spending thousands of dollars on it. So I don't know if it's just the dream of having the ultimate space sim where you can run around and do stuff, and then it's it's slowly will get there over time. Like it's it's like weirdly becoming like Second Life in a weird way, where like so oh, yeah, many sure. people were invested in that, and I have no understanding of a comprehension of why. Um, but you know, I mean, if it's if if you're out there and you love what they're doing and you don't feel ripped off, I like more power to you. Uh, oh yeah, to answer your question, like according to the Kickstarter's terms of service, there is no. Uh, legal responsibility for them ever to finish. Ah, there no, we go. No, and that's a thing people have to remember. Yeah, is you're that taking when a risk. you back a Kickstarter, you are not buying a product; you are investing in it. That means you are giving someone money, and they have absolutely yes. no obligation to give right. you anything. Like right. when you, you know, you'd be like, "But I bought this game." You didn't. That's <laughs> no, not how yeah. Kickstarter no. works. You absolutely didn't buy anything. You just invested in their you product. You gave as... you gave nerds money. That's what you did. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Uh, to hopefully make something, but they have no obligation to even fulfill their rewards. Right. Yes. Um, That's right. And just remember, it is an investing platform, not a purchasing platform, not a pre-ordering platform. It's at, a different thing. At this point, I mean. Would it, would it even be attractive for another company to come in, buy it, and release it in the state it's in now? Hell if, like, no. eventually when Hell people no. stop, like, if it fizzles out, that's is that just it? That's well, that's How the close other possibility. it to being finished? Like, oh, I don't not know. Because I, I could see them releasing just it as it is now, and it could be terrible in the state it is now, but like, but you it, know, is a game, it could be a cash grab, and it yeah. could just be a company just being like, well, let's just put it out, and then they could maybe, I mean, like, it, if and they we've can, seen all kind of things that you know for money it's just like you know we'll just patch it together we'll make like a weird we'll have four different kinds of cutscenes. some of them will be like sliding powerpoint images and then other ones will be fully animated and it's just let's just fucking get it out yeah i, I don't disagree i think if they could i mean maybe some of it is just rebranding it too beautiful if, if you could like have one big sprint or a push to make it more game like per se and then call it early access or beta at least, which I guess maybe that's what they're calling it now. But like, so isn't it already like, isn't it already playable as Persistent alpha? Universe yes, as an as alpha? alpha. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I think there's one star system with planets on it uh, yeah. at was, this point, but it still has, and so you can fly around. But there's, I'm, it's not a complete game by any means. But there is like an alpha that you can do things yes. in. But it's not multiple system. You know, it's it's still way 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 off from what they promised. Mm -hmm. My my question is. Is the long term, we're, we're acting like they have all this money, but they've spent a lot too. So how stable or, or you know, uh, uh, secure is the developer? There was that Forbes article last year and it said at the end of 2012, 
Roberts was down to just $14 million in the bank. He has since raised more money, but, you know, like, he promised, like, 100 star systems and all. So my point is, like, the studio could go bankrupt. I mean, like, they need to they need to keep raising money because they're apparently just, it's going out the other end as well. That is sort of what I think is going to happen. Yeah, like, I, th- I think so, too. I feel like the studio goes bankrupt, somebody yes. else tries to take the game, releases it, and it doesn't. It isn't what was promised. That's that's what I'm guessing. Obviously, that I, I have absolutely I, right, no confidence right. in that. And so, wild like, is what I the vibe that I'm getting is is what's going to happen. Is yes. like, what are their salaries? Like, how much money has he been making for the last eight years? Is he getting millions of dollars a year? Like, right. I don't that's, know. <laughs> they've spent a lot on marketing, apparently. And if you go to the website and like, they've clearly put a lot into like uh, stuff like you know, sort of features around like the site and there's a lot of sort of nice graphics and, and functionality there. So they, they clearly have money to play with, but yeah, it feels like they're, they're, they're spending it. I have a fun Maybe. anecdote about the site actually, because I've been making the thumbs for this week's uh, daily yeah. stories and I was looking for the logo for squadron 42 and on the website, they have a really nice clean logo. And then I tried to pull it down, but it's not a PNG. It's different, uh, uh, geometric pieces like that make up the logo and then they all Whoa. transform together and it's like Whoa. that's really smart and creative but this right. is awful and if this is the way that you're going about making your game maybe not maybe don't <laughs> right. <laughs> like, right just ugh. top to bottom PNG. a mess yeah <laughs> yeah just png would be um, cool all right let's move on uh let's do one more news story and then we'll do some questions real quick uh but this was uh we talked about this in the daily also e3 obviously got canceled uh, for 2020, along with literally everything else. But uh, Superdata came out with a new report basically saying that uh, the big the big publishers didn't really miss it. Uh, they, they compared kind of Twitch, Twitch traffic. Uh, the PlayStation 5 reveal, 1.51 million uh, average viewers. They compared that to a bunch of E3 presentations. Xboxes did less than a million. Game Awards last year. 0.6 million Nintendo's direct at E3 last year, 0.56 million. Now, obviously, and I brought this up, the, the PS5 reveal is a much bigger story. And so I think that's naturally going to pick or, or get a lot more viewership. But then they also compared Ubisoft's uh, forward uh, uh, event they held uh, recently, 1.2 million viewers on Twitch compared to their E3 of last year, uh, just 750,000. So if you're a bigger you know if you're one of the big console makers or a big developer you can get just as much attention or more by holding your own events so this might be uh really really bad for the future of e3 (laughs) that's putting it lightly i think in terms of the the motivation that these big publishers are gonna have oh yeah and and, you know obviously all the the nobody nobody had to give up their personal address and phone number it was great there's already a huge stack of problems e3 was facing in terms of you know the the doxing situation and and then trying to pivot the the show as a a more consumer-friendly thing which just seemed like they weren't gonna hit the mark you know like heavily focusing on influencers and and celebrities and stuff um and and it was becoming less of what we know and love as e3 but like yeah now that's the the data's out you know these big developers and publishers don't have any incentive to spend money on booth space to to blow the doors off and do this this kind of uh big big you know 
pinnacle show, they can just do like a Nintendo Direct style thing and be fine. And we've right. kind of known this already because Nintendo Which Nintendo's been proved. doing, yeah. yeah. And Sony Great. had pieced yeah. out. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think Xbox will stop doing the way they do because they still have the Microsoft theater. Yes. They're I, paying for that license. May as well use that. Theater. I wonder yeah. the most That's about true. that. One. Yeah. Yeah, and I feel I think, like they will continue to, but it could be at any time of the year. I mean, they also have, like, I know they have their big conference in Brazil, and I think they did one in London this year, maybe, somewhere mm-hmm. in Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it just doesn't make sense to do it all at the same place anymore. It, E3 is the most helpful for the business side of things, which is mm-hmm. a lot of pitches. Mm-hmm. There are studios who need to pitch their games to people at things like uh, E3, GDC, um, dice as well and that is a massive loss it's also harder for people on our side to get their start e3 is a great way to yes. actually get access to meet people in pr mm-hmm. for the first time ever to hand out a business card to actually make sure that you are able to cover things uh when you're just starting out as a writer or media or even people who are youtubers or twitch streamers like not having access to that stuff sucks and i think that makes packs even more important yeah um mm-hmm. but it's also i guess just for littler games, for games that are smaller, indies, to be included in a showcase that they won't necessarily be included in now um, and have you know millions of eyes on them every single time because it's E3. So there are people who know about games that have been in those showcases that otherwise won't. Um, and if they're all segmented and people can choose what they want to watch because it's not the E3 event where I'm comparing all the conferences, um, those games won't get seen. They also won't get seen on a show floor. They won't get played by random people. So... There are definitely business downsides um, for the little guys, for the most I'm, part. I I'm really glad think- you brought that up because they did mention that this will hurt the indies and sort of the middle and smaller size players. Uh, they compared the PC gaming show at E3, uh, obviously focuses on uh, more indies, mid-sized games. It got uh, its traffic last year when there was an E3, 141,000 average viewers they did it again this year, obviously independently or not connected to E3, just 68,000. So that was less than half. So that's, yeah. yeah and, and so that's a real bummer. And they said that basically their best bet now is to just get tacked on to, you know, one of the, like uh, to Sony's presentation or something like that, or a Nintendo, also, a, a Nindy or something. Yeah. The PC game showcase this year though was super bloated and super weirdly paced. You know, yeah. I was, we did a live stream here on the channel and it was just like, two hours long and had no right being that long. So also well, like, that's way there are companies long. that have Nothing no idea to how to, two hours. Yeah. yeah, there are companies that have, that did not adapt right. to, uh, to this medium. But it's important too, to note like things like the wholesome direct might not have happened. Like that was a cool showcase for indies that that space didn't really exist before like E3 disappeared. And now they're forced to kind of do that on their own, which, you know, maybe sucks, but like it's, they've been doing that as indie developers already, right? Trying to get the word out about their games is probably one of the hardest things they have to, to face outside of like actually making a good game. Um, yeah, right. So so maybe there is space for that too. You don't have a wholesome direct from last year to compare it to, but there was now this event that will have a bigger following next year if they do it again because the last one already kind of set a precedent for like, here's a cool thing you can watch to learn about like new up and coming indie games. And yeah, I think like the best bet is to get tied to a bigger show, but now we might see more people, like even like the kind of funny guys, like th- this gives them more ammo to kind of pull in the smaller and unique stuff, which yeah. will show yep. better, right? Like, so th- there maybe is some upsides for them there, but like the in-person to person meeting stuff, I think like what Alana was saying is actually like super important. I think we've talked about it on this show before too, of like, if you wanted to show like your small indie game to a big Microsoft exec or something, you kind of can, like if he's just walking by and he sees your laptop set up, or whatever, and, and it's like, wow, this is cool. I want this on the Xbox. And it's a platform. chance for yeah. yeah them to go hunting at this event, and you know, I'm sure Microsoft and whoever send out people to you know 
go see what's out there and, uh, you know, uh, hopefully snatch up a few games. So, yeah, I, I think this shows that you still you still need a big platform, but it's just moved to more online. Like it's still, you know, you still need uh, either to piggyback off something like Sony or something to get more eyeballs on. Cause if you're a small player, you can't just, uh, you don't have a center of gravity where you can just direct everybody's eyeballs to. Obviously IGN and uh, Jeff Keighley both did their like different summer of gaming Right. type things have Still you guys going. watched any of that stuff oh yeah i saw some mm-hmm. of it yeah yeah i've been watching way less than i expected to so Same. like i will occasionally look on twitch um because twitch themselves have been sort of hosting some of it yeah. um but generally like it just feels so hidden away because it's not yeah. again part of this huge main it's show just more fragmented now yeah Definitely. yeah that i have I, to actually seek out what time the things that i want to learn about are going to be spoken about rather than just sort of like leaving it on in the background or like you know being at e3 and seeing it all in person it's yeah yeah i don't i'm curious how well those have done for for either of those two um or True. if if they are worth it for them, like sponsorship wise, like financially, or if they're going to keep doing them, don't know. And there's and there's still other things, like you said. I mean, packs. There's there's other stuff around the world. Uh, so E three is just one of those things. I I don't think E three changed with the times, um, maybe as much as it could have. I, I I think they've made some mistakes along the way, and there's been a lot of reports of infighting and things like that at the ASA. So it's it, I, I think it's uh, it might be this kind of death by a thousand cuts, but uh, definitely uh, this this might be a uh, their appomattox in terms of not not being around for 2020 because it, it definitely seems like people have learned lessons that E3 does not want them to learn from this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think there's only one maybe upside to this, and Brian, you and I talked about this in the in the IG Slack channel this morning. Just that, well, maybe by the time like COVID stuff kind of plays out, if ever, uh, maybe that those booth spaces get a whole lot cheaper for the LA Convention Center or yeah. wherever you go, because, you know, they are not doing too hot right now. I'm sure a lot of events getting canceled for the entire year for, for but, those types of places. So. Yeah. and But I said this, too. Yeah. When, when would you personally feel comfortable going back to something like this? And that's a great I, point. Because I don't know. I, I, maybe I don't know. never. Right. Exactly. <laughs> right. And maybe never might be the answer. Um, all right, let's uh, let's move on. Let's answer a few questions. This from Alex D. Ramirez. Do you guys think it's possible oh. that Xbox could go the way of Sega after this console generation? I'm assuming Alex means after the upcoming console generation. I I don't think so. I I think uh, I think Xbox has been making a lot of good moves. I think Microsoft is a much bigger company than Sega. They seem pretty committed to gaming to me. I mean, the Sega thing is an interesting one because my answer is like half yes. Like what Microsoft are trying to do with the next generation is go software uh, services. They're not, they don't, the reason that you can play all their games on PC isn't them being stupid. Like everyone who's being like, well, why do I need to buy an Xbox Series X if I have a PC? Obviously, that's by design. It's because they want right. to get They're you into They're not stupid. Yeah. They want you in right. their software, yeah. right? They right. Just You'll want still you spend to buy... $500. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you can. And I think that in that way, they are sort of like Sega and that, yes, you're getting all these games on PC um, and they are fine with that because they want you in Game Pass and they want people globally in xCloud, which is more of a big deal because there are you know, literally people globally outside of America where I feel like we are a very console uh, forward 
country, just even in the West in general, Australia is the same too. Um, but, but you know, this is, it's a thing where, yeah, they could probably eventually start making hardware, but I don't think that would be quite the same as Sega because it's not out of failure. It's out of pivoting to services yes, instead of hardware. That's right. Yeah. Which yeah, is what they're trying to do. It, it's yeah. I, I kind of see it because in the way I think that he means like Sega started making games for Nintendo platforms and in that right. way like Xbox right. obviously has a Minecraft license and that's going to be everywhere because it's going to make them a lot of money forever yeah. Yeah. forever yeah such but, a smart purchase but, oh yeah <laughs> but it's so hard to yeah however much it costs it didn't matter like it was going to pay off for them um, I think it's such a different hard thing to compare just because Microsoft is so big and they are basically using games to leverage sales of and and engagement with other microsoft products really like and cloud part gaming. of it i mean they're gonna yeah, yeah they're gonna be heavy into that um if yeah. they could use yeah. gaming to get you into the windows ecosystem forever like they will that's, that's what, all they're trying to that's do that's their goal and yeah yeah they have mm-hmm. uh they're the biggest company globally by market share um or market capitalization it is uh but it's not like i think like Microsoft have failed at things. Mix have failed. Their size didn't matter. Totally. Mix have failed. Yes. That's um, right. They Man. have shut down other things. But where where video games are concerned, uh, it, calling it Sega, my in my head I just read it as they're going to fail and have to go third party. Right. Right. Uh, yeah. No. That, I don't think that is case. going to happen. Yeah, if it maybe happens, it, it like... is by choice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, maybe right. what it felt like at the beginning of the Xbox One generation, but then they cleaned house and they put Phil Spencer in charge, and they've they've spun things like you said they feels on a great job yeah i think yeah, they were amazing. weaker in that that right up in the immediate aftermath of that launch i think Phil, Phil deserves a, a ton of credit um all right moving on daniel goad asks what year do you think game media will go completely discless aka digital only mm. i i think i i think 10 years from now is is a good I, I can see like 2030 and and we just don't have them anymore or very very yeah limited. i think you'll always be able to buy it yeah yeah if you want it but it might be more of like a collector's you know like a steel mm-hmm. book i wonder like what the vinyl likely <laughs> i wonder what the qualification for this is because i feel like you know obviously we have the technology to do it right now but then analog uh just released their new like handheld right or it's coming out yeah. august 3rd get your pre-orders ready and i'm like i want to buy the hell out of that and like have cartridges and stuff to play on it, but like for but more, that's like a niche thing. Yeah, too. yeah. But, but yeah. does that exist for like Xbox Series X and PS5 down the road? I don't. Do you get a device I mean, that just plays have those games? Discless versions, right? Yes. Um, I think it, it's. I don't even want to guess because I feel like it's very easy to um, forget what circumstances people are in in other countries. Yes. Like here. Yes. Yeah. Despite I was a huge game collector in the last era, I still have over like a hundred games stacked up in my my parents' like closet under the stairs, quite literally. Uh, that I collected all of them and I loved having them um, physically. But then when I moved to the U.S. and was living in smaller spaces, it just stopped being even accessible. So now I feel like I re- very rarely get physical copies. And I, I do want to mention because it will come up in the comments um, the argument for like, do you own or I buy them because I want to own them. So even when you buy a physical game, you, you don't, don't actually own, own it. Uh, you <laughs> yeah, just you're own a physical a version of the yes. same license, yes. uh, especially yeah. now. So like physically owning a game doesn't, like aside from you having that license physically, 
is exactly the same as owning it digitally in that they could cut you off at any point in time. Obviously, an internet connection is required for that, though. Um, but yeah. you, but you can let a friend borrow it. it. You can, you know, yeah, you can, there are there's still things you benefits. can do. Yeah. But it's yeah. not like the, well, but I want to own my games. You right. don't. They can take it away no. from you at any point in time. They can lock yeah. you out at any point in time. You don't. But Your, yeah, larger, I don't, I, your larger point stands, yes. Yes. Um, yeah, I, don't, I, don't, I just don't don't know the answer to this question because I recognize that there are people in different countries with internet connections that cannot sustain right. digital I mean, purchasing. And I don't, I really don't know the breadth of that. I don't know how bad it is. Yeah. Yeah. That's very true in America too. I mean, rural bandwidth issues yeah. are a huge yeah. problem in this country. And like, you've seen like the big tech companies that are like xCloud and Stadia, they're the future. And then you've got people that are like, kind of in the middle of nowhere who are like, I barely have a cell, cell phone reception. Right. Like, America's a massive country. America right? has like, so yeah. many blind spots. Is like, <laughs> yeah. It should be treated like, like a utility. Yeah. It should be a utility yeah, and it's not. And until it is, Connor, let me if tell it you. ever is. Let me fucking tell you. I would be home right now. I would have been home the whole lockdown and just worked on American time. But the fastest internet speed anyone at home has is 22 down, one up. Oh, is I this in Australia? Work. Yeah. And it sucks so bad. That's obviously like one part of Australia that is the issue. Like but you always hear that. Yeah, I mean that's legendary. It's for insane. There, like, yeah. and the utility thing is really funny because like the the it was two elections ago. Um, one of the politicians who was running came out and was like, "We just like don't see it as a as a priority for businesses." Right. What? So what are you talking? The entire world is online. So I mean, it's, it's the lawmakers are insane. so laughably out of touch. Mark Zuckerberg was at the the hearing, and somebody asked him a question about Twitter, and it's just like, well, that's not the right. <laughs> Do you have any idea how any of this works? Right. Yeah. Fucking. Yeah, it's a real Jesus problem. Jesus Christ. Um, but yeah, I mean, Australia is a huge issue. Like, I would have been home this whole lockdown, and it would have been so nice if yeah. I could have done my job from home, but I can't, yeah. uh, which means I, like, risk my entire life to go home, basically. <laughs> right. Um, right. It's also, like, very complicated. Australia's lockdown is really strict, et cetera. But yeah, it's, you know, I, I when I was home just for Christmas, my boyfriend wanted to play Apex Legends, and I was like, cool, I'll download it, because my parents still have an Xbox, because I gave it to them before I left. And uh, it took three days. <laughs> isn't that big and no. also one of like my parents would like maybe turn the xbox off and i would have to be like for fuck's sake stop turning it off you have to leave it on they're like what if it gets hot i'm like you have to leave it on i want to play Apex and it will be in hot. a week from yeah. now That's right. <laughs> it's right. actually a certified heater so please just leave it on. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it is, this is how we're gonna make it through the very winter hot summer when i play Christmas my in Australia. games with my brother, who's at my parents' house, he will unplug his PS4 from his room, take it downstairs into the office where the router is mm. with the monitor, with the TV, closer. and then plug it all in and just set it to download. And it's still not that fast. <laughs> it's just like, like totally like, like uprooting everything just to install a game. Yeah. So for people like us who are in tremendous positions of privilege where this stuff is concerned and also probably play more video games than the average I basically have gone discless as much as I find it a little bit sad yeah. because the collector and yeah. wants stacks of video games. I still have a pretty big stack, Same. so there's probably over 50 on my shelf here. Um, but and I, I think that I'm like I'm gonna start buying like my favorite game every year physically to like still have a collection. So like last year I'll, I'll buy Sekiro physically because right now I don't have it, which means it'll be the third time I purchase that game. But that's fine. So I'll just I'll just keep doing that. I'll just keep having the ones I yeah. really really love as like a. I have this from this year. Here's my collection now to just like <laughs> appease that part of me. But generally speaking, 
I just don't know what people's situations are like globally. And I want to recognize that like for some people, it's just not possible yet. I don't mm. know how far away it is from being possible. Like, yeah. That's it. Yeah. How a gamers yeah. in South Africa doing, I don't know. Right. I don't know what the situation that's is. That's a great point. Yeah. yeah. I buy Blu-ray um, still. You there know, you go. I own the, and they give you the game on digital. Maybe that'll be what happens. There you you buy go. the yeah. physical copy. You get the digital key. All right, uh, we are up on time. We went we went uh, quite a bit over this time. So uh, that's going to do it for us for this week. And uh, just one programming note. I'm on vacation for the next two weeks. Hey. So I'm not going to be here. Bye, so, yes, don't. It's not. I'm not leaving. I'm just on vacation. Just You're going on sabbatical? Know. No, it's not, a, it's not a sabbatical. I'll be back. I'll be back. <laughs> I will be. I, I still I need see this you, job. If I see you on stream with, with Bruce and Lawrence, I'm calling yeah. you out. <laughs> If you're doing Q&A stuff. Not good. (laughs) All right, guys. uh, Have a great weekend. And uh, I won't see you next week, but they will. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.